Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. What is up, fight fans? Dan Canobio coming to you for another edition of Inside Boxing Live from an undisclosed area. I'm totally not in my apartment in New York City, and we have a big one for you today. The world of boxing is on a roll. We're heading into 2021, and we're leaving 2020 with a bang. It's been a terrible year, but there has been some great fights. Last weekend, we saw Anthony Joshua retain his title with a KO9 over Cooper Pulev. We saw Shakur Stevenson. We saw Edgar Belanga. We saw Chris Colbert. This upcoming weekend, we got Canelo Alvarez in action. We got Triple G in action. We have fights. Uh, as I'm taping this on Wednesday, we have fights on PBC. We have Ring City action. Triple G gets back into the ring, like I just said, uh, on Friday night. So there's a lot going on in the world of boxing. If you're watching this over on the Food Sports Network. You can watch every single Friday, 7 o'clock Eastern. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify by searching Inside Boxing Live. Our guest this week is none other than Todd Grisham of DAZN, who will be on the call on Friday night for Triple G's fight. He's in the know. He knows what's going on with Triple G, his psyche. Uh, he's very angry right now. Uh, he also knows about Canelo, so he talked a lot about that and the YouTuber fights. But the fight of the weekend, as we all know, is Canelo Alvarez getting back into the ring for the first time in 13 months since he knocked out Sergey Kovalev. This is Canelo Alvarez by the numbers. What you have to respect about Canelo Alvarez is the fact that after all these years, the fame, the fortune, the belts, he still fights with the challenger's mentality. Since nearly tornadoing James Kirkland out of the ring in 2015, Canelo has fought nine times. Only twice during that stretch has he not been the man challenging for the opponent's belt. Those two fights were Amir Khan and Chavez Jr., now, against Smith, he'll be looking to pick up a legitimate WBA super middleweight belt and a vacant WBC belt, and he'll become just the fourth Mexican to win a widely recognized world title in four different weight classes. Talking about Canelo inside of the ring, this is the close, Canelo is the closest thing we have to the most accurate puncher in boxing. He's landing at a 36.8% clip, which is actually tied for second uh, with Golovkin, and just 0.9 away from Miguel Burchelt. So Canelo is the most accurate, or one of the most accurate punchers in boxing. Now, Team Canelo has said it themselves. Eddie Reynoso has said that 168 is where Canelo will be fighting from here on out for the foreseeable future. He already has the division's best power punch connect rate at 46%, uh, which is fifth in all of boxing as well. Now, Smith, Callum Smith represents the tallest opponent of Canelo's career, but it's not the first tall opponent that Canelo has faced. Rocky Fielding, Chavez Jr., and most recently, Sergey Kovalev, all over six foot. And he outlanded uh, those taller opponents 434 to 223. So better than two to one. He's outjabbed those opponents too. And most importantly, he's landed 112 body shots in about 40 rounds against those tall opponents. That doesn't bode well for Callum Smith. If he's victorious on Saturday night, Canelo will have beaten two sets of brothers, the Smiths, Callum and Liam, and the Kodos, Miguel and Jose. Which brings back memories of Jack Britton. You remember him, three-time welterweight champion who defeated three sets of brothers, Leach and Marty Cross, Frank and Young Lockery, and Danny and Mickey Sears. Better wake up the Durrell brothers because Canelo could be coming for them next. 
on the other side of things, we're going to talk to Todd Grisham. We're going to get his thoughts on everything. He's holed up in his hotel room over in Hollywood, Florida. He's on the call for Triple G uh, in Sharametta, and we'll get his thoughts on the YouTuber fights, Canelo, Joshua, everything. Here's Todd Grisham of The Zone. Our next interview is brought to you by Bully Crew CBD, five-star rated. It comes in oils, it comes in creams, it comes in gummies. I use them before and after I work out. It's perfect for the active person. Uh, you can take it as a gummy. Uh, don't drink the cream, whatever you do. Put the cream uh, on you. Uh, you can take it in an oil form. It's great. I love CBD and I love Bully Crew. Type in IBL for 20% off. It's Bully Crew CBD. Okay, let's bring in our guest this week. You know him as the DAZN commentator. You know him formerly of ESPN, formerly of WWE, formerly of Glory, no, with Glory Kickboxing. He is Todd Grisham. Todd, we totally didn't have any technical difficulties before we set up this shot. I appreciate you coming on. How is everything? And, and I'm saying you are in Hollywood, Florida. Is that correct? I'm in Hollywood, Florida. I'm in the bubble getting ready for Triple G versus Sharon Meta. And uh, all technical difficulties aside, I had nothing else to do. I'm stuck in this room for five days, so this was the one day for you to screw up, and you did a great job at it. That's the thing is when you're in this bubble, like we have them right where you want it. So if we're right. having technical issues on our end. There's really nowhere else you can go. This is great. Right. But let's talk about Triple G. Uh, you'll be calling the fight Friday night with Chris Algieri. The thought of Chris Algieri in a bubble brings me back to the cage. Got to let him out of the cage, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, after he gets knocked down for the fourth time or whatever it was, right? <laughs> the funny thing about that is Tim Lane, his former trainer, who told, who had that moment, former uh, CompuBox employee. I think he worked a few fights, uh, but but uh, he had to leave because he said it was cutting into his lady time. Well, you don't have any lady time, which is why you're just fine hosting the show all the time. <laughs> it's tough. It's been a tough quarantine. Let's get into to Triple G. Uh, you had the fighter meetings. You've been around him. Uh, some interesting headlines are coming out about this guy. Uh, uh, he hasn't fought in a very long time since the Dervinchenko fight. Uh, I just read a headline that came from Yahoo, which also came from a wire service about how he wants to kill Oscar De La Hoya. Uh, there's, it's it's interesting because now we're we're looking at the psyche of Triple G. Uh, you know, 38 years old. Uh, don't exactly know what he is at this moment. What was your what do you gather from your, your time with him uh, this week and just in general? He's very salty this week. I don't know if it uh, has to do with him trying to cut weight to 160 or the pandemic or the fact that his training has been altered because of everything that's going on, but he has not been the normal, happy, Kennedy Golovkin that everyone knows and loves. He's been uh, very short with his answers. I haven't heard him speak any English at all. Even in the press conference today, he spoke uh, only in Russian, which is very rare because that's kind of the endearing thing he has with the American public is the way that he his broken English comes across and that people love it. Big drama show. Mm -hmm. But those days are long gone. If you met him here in the bubble, he looks like a completely different, uh, looks like an angry fighter in, in some regard. Well, how much, I know he doesn't want questions about Canelo, but you know, how much of this has to do with those two fights with Canelo? I mean, the first one, a lot of people had him winning. I did. Second one, close as well. He comes out you know, oh, one and one. I mean, how much of that? I feel like that really, you know, played a role in this. Now he sees Canelo getting the huge deal. He sees Canelo as the face of boxing. That has to play a role in it. Well, yeah, that's why he doesn't, uh, if you notice, he doesn't take Canelo questions anymore. He's, mm -hmm. He has people specifically say, don't ask me about Canelo. I can see it. But as you know, in the media, if, you, if someone asks you a question that you don't want to answer, it's simple. You just say you don't want to answer it. All mm -hmm. you've got to say is, 
I'm focused on this fight. I don't want to talk about Canelo, but he doesn't want to hear his name mentioned around him or anything. So I, I don't, I don't think it's jealousy by any means, but he deep down believes he won both of those fights as you kind of alluded to. So I think he's, he just wants to not deal with Canelo until it's time to deal with Canelo. Where is Triple G? What's his end game? 38 years old, still has good numbers. We'll get to those in a second. What's his end game? You know, what is he going to stay at 160? He's going to go 168. There are good names in both of those weight classes. What does he want at, out of his career or the very short amount of time that's left? Well, what all fighters want is money. And I think it's going to it's going to come down to what Canelo wants more than what Triple G wants. I have a feeling Triple G would fight him tomorrow if they brought Canelo in here. But the good thing is, now that Canelo is broken with Golden Boy and is a free agent, Canelo's going to learn very quickly that, unlike with DAZN for a limited time, he was getting the same rate for no matter who he fought, $35 million or close to that, for whoever stepped in the ring with him. Well, now that he's a free agent, he's going to find out very quickly if he fights uh, you know, Rocky Fielding, he's going to make this much money. Right. And if he fights Triple G, he's going to make this much. And I think he's going to figure out, hey, wait a minute. So I, it's, it's going to pay me $10 million more to fight Triple G, a guy who – hasn't beaten me yet, a guy who's now almost 39 years old. And I think Canelo's going to take that fight on Cinco de Mayo, but that's just my feeling. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah, that is an interesting way to look at it, because I, I was talking about this on a podcast I was on the other day. It's like, like you're right, like Canelo is now in the in the free market now, so it's, it's it depends on his dance partner is more important than ever, because that flat rate is gone, as you just illustrated. I'm interested to see, though, there, is the interest still there for the fight fans for a, Golovkin, a third fight with Golovkin? Commercially, it probably sells, or, you know, a fight with Charlo, or a fight with Benavidez, or a fight with Plant. It's interesting. It's something that we're going to have to talk about next week once these guys' fights uh, get through with this. But I want to talk a little bit before we move on to Canelo on Triple G inside of the ring. And I'm looking at the numbers, and I see that his he's not punching. His punch volume is down. His defensive numbers are down. The jab is better than ever. He's throwing the jab uh, more than ever. He's landing it as well. He's also still accurate. So we just talked yeah, about that. He's at the end. I was reading your your breakdown. You said he's he's more accurate than he's ever been. He's not as busy, but he's more accurate than ever. Correct. Yeah, he is. He he ranks. He's tied actually tied with Canelo in terms of overall connect percentage. But he's not throwing as much. His defensive numbers are slipping. He got hit the most he'd ever had in that fight with with Derevchenko. But you know, but the, he's still a, a good fighter. Like there still are some things there. He can probably get get fight with a jab. It might not be like you know snatching bodies like he did during that 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 reign. But you know, what do you see from him in the ring? Does he like what what does he still possess in there? Well. When I asked him, what did he learn from fighting Darius, uh, fighting Darianchenko? And he told me, I learned not to get sick during fight week. <laughs> he believes the only reason that, that fight was remotely close is because he had flu-like symptoms. And that's what he, he basically said. That was the end of the answer. It wasn't, well, I need, need to use my jab more. I need to move. He said, I got sick. Uh, I learned not to do that again. Do you so buy that? I think he feels, he feels a little perturbed that people are, are questioning his boxing skills uh, even as he advances in age. I think he feels he's as good as he ever has been, and I guess we'll find out on Friday night. Right, new trainer. Uh, he's had a long time to gel. I think the layoff will benefit him. One of the most brutal fights. You were you were ringside, too, sitting right in front of me. Brutal. That was one of the most brutal fights I'd ever seen against Dervinchenko. Yeah, he could have lost that fight. I mean, that was a 50-50 fight. So, yeah. and, and the thing is, to to 
casual boxing fans, they didn't know who the hell Dervianchenko was. They probably couldn't even pronounce his name before the fight started. And they see Canelo kind of struggling and getting beat up a little bit like they never seen before. I mean, he roughed him up worse than Canelo, in my estimation. Yeah. Um, so the casual fan says, oh, this guy's, uh, you know, almost 40. He kind of got roughed up by Dervianchenko. He didn't look that fantastic against Steve Rolls. He's starting to wind down his career. And, and Triple G has no thoughts of retirement. I even asked him, trying to lighten the mood a little bit, said, hey, Manny Pacquiao is becoming a politician, uh, maybe even running for president of the Philippines one day. What about you? When you're when you're done, you're very popular, would you ever run for politics, run for president of Kazakhstan? And he said that was a very inappropriate question, and I shouldn't have asked. Come on, Todd. Why are you asking the inappropriate questions that we all want to know the answers to? Like, what do you think about <laughs> trying to make a human out of this guy? It was a tongue-in-cheek type of uh you know trying to get that million dollar triple g smile to come out but he wouldn't have it hey, he's not he's it's he's different man he's a changed man and i know i'll say it uh he's different he's different he had that whole thing with the mexican style you know max max all that stuff could have been just an act uh marketing uh scheme that worked out very well so i'm all for it this is a mean he turns heel i'm all for that i mean he's 38 years old he's you know has the right to do that um, going back to the, him being sick, though, he was also sick for Rosado. He was, you know, sick for Dervinchenko. Those two fights in New York, a lot of travel. You know, it's it's certainly, it could have been a thing. But this one, I know that he's been in Hollywood, uh, Florida for a long time. No travel. Maybe that helps now. He's hooked up with, uh, with Banks for over a year to kind of be a little more fleet of foot. Maybe we see a, a uh, emphatic knockout from Golovkin, and then he can move on to, to bigger and better. Let's go over to Canelo. Uh, big fight this weekend. I love the fact that they're fighting uh, and you know consecutive days both on the zone. And what I like about Canelo, man, is is this guy is really going for legacy. The resume is there, and most importantly, he's fighting like he's the challenger when he has all the belts. Yeah, well, he's got that that Mexican mentality where you put him in, up in front of me and I'll knock him out. And to his credit, even though Callum Smith, at least in America, isn't the biggest name. I think you would agree he's maybe the toughest fight out there for him, especially at 168 pounds. And he took it. And he could have gotten more money to fight Triple G. He could have gotten more money probably to fight Charlo or maybe even Caleb Plant. But this is the guy that that made the most sense for him. And he did not back away from it and didn't shy from it. And, uh, you know, salute to him. Yeah. Did you see the picture of them standing next to next to each <laughs> yeah, other? I, yeah. I put I it on uh, Twitter. I looked at this picture. And I was talking to one of my friends at DAZN. I said, what do you think? Do you think uh, – he said, there's no way the picture's real. I well, said, well, I, do you I think, think was... Callum Smith was standing on a box or that uh, Canelo was in a pothole? And he said, both. That's the way it looked. It looked no, like a no, two-foot – No, no, no. no, they did that on purpose. I, I, this is my – this is what I think. I think that they did a shot like that, and now it's being shared all over social media – Brilliant move. Whoever whoever did that, whether it was on purpose or not. I even shared it on Twitter, and I put me when I show up to a Bumble date and I tell the girl that I'm six foot. <laughs> I mean, that one, that got a bunch of retweets and stuff. So I think it was brilliant. On, on Not that the fight needs to be sold anymore because I think it's an yeah. awesome fight. But well, yeah, I'll I tell mean, you this. Back, back in the WWE days, Vince McMahon had something he called the Andre camp, which was the Andre the Giant shot. So if you notice, anytime Andre the Giant would come walking down the – the ramp, even though he was already what, seven foot five or whatever he was, they get the smallest camera guy they had, who's like, you know, Manny Pacquiao size, and they wanted him to shoot up like this. So he looked 12 feet tall. That's and, smart. But, you know, 700 pounds. So anytime the Kane, Undertaker, Andre, the, 
any of the big guys, Vince wanted them to look even bigger than they were. So whoever set up that photo shoot, maybe it was Vince McMahon. Who the hell knows? <laughs> that guy, I think Vince knows what he's doing. I think he's he's has a pretty good track record. Yeah. Uh, going back to to Canelo and and, and just the uh, the way he, I think everyone is saying the same thing. Like it's this isn't an original thought that Canelo is going to target the body of Callum Smith because I mean if he just legit just punches like this, that torso is right there to be hit. Not only that, Canelo is one of the best body punchers uh, in the sport. Well, what other ways can Canelo win this fight? And also to, to Callum Smith with the jab. How do you see it playing out inside the ring? Well, obviously, Canelo is much better than John Ryder, but John Ryder's about the same size as Canelo, same height especially, and he gave Smith all kinds of fits. A lot of people thought he maybe even won that fight. So I think if Canelo watches that performance by Ryder, he's, he feels like he's on easy street. But I think the left hook to the body for Canelo, all I envision when I see, think about that fight is it's basically a better version of Rocky Fielding. You know, maybe it takes him longer to break him down, but when you've got Canelo just dig into that body, as you mentioned, for 12 rounds, there's so much real estate to work with. I don't yep. think he lasts. Well, that's the thing. Is he going to last? That's go over to, to Calum Smith. I mean, 62 punches thrown per round. That's a really – he's active. But are you going to throw 62 punches around when you're also fighting the best counterpuncher in boxing? So that's something I always keep an eye on. I did it yeah. a few weeks ago with Spence. Spence throws 70 punches around. He was facing a great counterpuncher in Danny Garcia. He didn't throw 70 around for that one because he's worried about what's coming back on the other end. So will Calum Smith – if he kind of just stands there, he's going to get picked apart because Canelo is the most accurate puncher or right up at the top. You know, if he if he throws too much punches, he might get countered. Uh, he's just got a jab. He has one of the better jabs, 78-inch reach. I mean, wh what is Calum Smith's path to victory? Well, you know, we say the, the path to victory for Canelo is to go to the body. I guess it's for Smith not to let him get there. Uh, you know, keep him out at range with that jab, pop him coming in, pop him going out. Um Move around. Don't be a stationary target. Just like you would tell any tall fighter, you know, use your strengths to your advantage. Right. But you're fighting an absolute beast in Canelo Alvarez. But you can't you can't lose the fight before it starts. You've got to be confident that you can beat him. You got to treat him like you you would any other fighter. How do you beat this guy? Stick to your game plan and and hope it goes well. That's that's what Eddie Hearn would basically tell you. Yeah, Callum, he has to fight. He has to use that height. I mean, sometimes he in the Ryder fight, he tends to to smother himself, smother his punches, not fight like the bigger guy. He's got to do that. He's got to do you know, that. It was, it was interesting today. John Ryder was asked about Callum Smith. How does he beat Canelo? And John Ryder basically said that he let me inside too easy, and I just worked his body all night. And he thinks that uh, Callum Smith should actually maybe crouch down a little more Ooh and fight in this position instead of being more upright. Hmm. I don't know if that's something that he would consider doing. You kind of you kind of negate your height advantage, but at the same time, you protect your body a little better. Yeah, a lot of history on the line for Canelo. He's chasing belts. He's chasing legacy. He's beating brothers. He's beating sets of brothers. <laughs> I mean, the guy plays golf now. I mean, he does everything. It's Canelo's world here's we're living in. Here's what I want to know. Why does... Canelo Alvarez speaks very good English, but I've never heard him say it, speak it in a commercial, on a promo, nothing. Well, he could be an theory. even bigger star. I have a theory. This is Ishiro theory. Ishiro came to the States for the Seattle Mariners and decided, you know what? He speaks perfect English, but I'm going to do 30 minutes of, 
of uh, media with the Japanese and not an hour. So maybe Canelo is like, I can get X amount of money just to fight, and that's good enough for me. I don't have to do double the interviews. Want that's your here. theory. That's I don't theory. know what it. I mean, I, I don't know what it is, but uh, it, I, maybe in some way, maybe he feels like he'll be looked down upon by mm. the Mexican population. That hey, you're not that you're selling out, but maybe hey, look, this guy speaks Spanish, even though he knows English. He's so proud of his heritage. He's not going to become. That's the thing with, or, right, that was the thing with uh, Oscar. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of Mexicans thought that Oscar sold out, uh, became too commercialized, became too quote-unquote American. So I don't think it really matters anymore with Canelo. The dude's a star. Uh, a lot of people right. know who he is, crossed over. So, one Before we let you go, talking about crossing over, YouTubers, you're a guy that likes to have fun. I like your style. I like how you call fights. You find the, you know, keep it loose. It's a, it's boxing. It's one of the most ridiculous sports out there. What are your thoughts on all this YouTube stuff, the exhibitions, Jake Paul, Logan Paul? I'm curious your thoughts. I, I enjoy it in moderation, just like everything, just like you with cocaine in yes, moderation, exactly. right? right. I, I'm dying for some right now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Eddie Hearn made a good point today. I was talking to him. He said, here's the problem. Sprinkling it in is great, but when it becomes more of the focus of everyone than the real fights, then you've got a problem. And it's not so much what the YouTubers are doing as opposed to what boxing's doing. If you're not going to give us Spence and Crawford and we're not going to get Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua, we're not going to get Canelo and Triple G, then you know what? Here comes Floyd Mayweather fighting Logan Paul. Sure, mm -hmm. I'll watch that. That'll be entertaining. So to me, it's boxing's decision really? to make. If you don't like that stuff, then give me something else to watch that I'm going to spend 70 bucks on. I, I see it as two different lanes. I, I've been on, this is the, the hill that I'm going to die on with this, is that I think that it's it's two separate sports. It's two separate spectacles. It's two celebrities using boxing as their vehicle to generate uh, revenue. I don't know it has so much to do with, with boxing, but, I mean, it, the case could be made because we're not getting the, the best fights. But next year we get Spence, uh, we get Spence versus Crawford, and we get Fury Joshua and it puts a, that whole argument to rest. So hopefully we, we do get that. I, I find it funny. I think it's hilarious. I like the way that it pisses off some boxing fans, the purists out there. I have fun with that. But, uh, I mean, yeah, it but is hey, what it is. Tell me, tell me why there's not the same level of outrage. It's just boxing fans, really. If I said to you right now, hey, listen, uh, Charles Barkley is going to fight, I don't know, Andre Ward or whatever. What the fuck? Guy? But yeah. if I said Charles Barkley is going to play Tiger Woods in golf. Oh, cool. Exactly. Channel. I'll check that out. Because it's boxing. Why is they're boxing? Each other. Yeah, so what? And then, it, but so people what? don't realize what I always say is that Muhammad Ali fought in crazy exhibitions. He fought WWE. He fought re professional wrestlers. He fought George Foreman. Fought yeah. five guys in one night. Remember pros versus Joes, where they yeah, would have Shaquille O'Neal yeah. fight some <laughs> local yokel. I like that stuff. You know, because we man. all think we can do something better than the other guy, and then you learn real quick. Wait a second, Shaquille O'Neal could kill me. Yes. Is boxing. It is a legitimate sport that was in circuses, and it's a spectacle. I love it. I know you feel the same way to a certain yeah. degree. Uh, I appreciate you coming on the show. I appreciate you uh, waiting four and a half hours for us to set up the shot. We got it. Uh, go get Algeria out of the cage. Eat some avocados. Go run wild in Hollywood, Florida.
All right, everybody, uh, end of our show. And before we do that, we have to say congratulations to the 2020 International Boxing Hall of Fame class that just got announced this week. Floyd Mayweather, Andre Ward, Vlad Klitschko are the fighters that got in. The first ever women's division now, Layla Ali and Ann Wolf, well-deserved. Uh, Jay Larkin, formerly of Showtime. Dr. Margaret Goodman, who's done great things with VADA testing. George Kimball, one of the best boxing authors uh, of our time. Rest in peace, George Kimball. If I'm missing anyone, I'm sorry. Uh, it, somehow, uh, Miguel Cole got left off the ballot. James Tony got left off the ballot. So hopefully they get on there next year. I think that Cotto uh, is a whole first ballot Hall of Famer, but it's good getting the discourse. We're talking about the Hall of Fame. It's a great thing. If you haven't been up to the Hall of Fame in Canastota, I heavily suggest you do. Everyone needs to make that pilgrimage as a boxing fan. we got big plans for next week. Big show, year-end awards and everything next week. Thank you so much for joining another edition of Inside Boxing Live. <laughs>